Thursday Finance, Stephen Pritchard. Uh, we are going to talk about bonds a little bit later on, but let's start off with currencies and commodities. What's happening? Uh, there's really not a lot of changes during the week. I mean, the, the gold price was down uh, $7.05 in $8 terms to $1,817.70. Uh, the copper price was up. Um, marginally by $17.86 to $9,087.88 a tonne and the crude oil price was up $1.13 to $98.74 a barrel. So, so you know, not dramatic changes there. Um, the $8 was uh, uh, for people wanting to go overseas and uh, bring in imports. The $8 was firmed up this week. Um, against the US dollar, we're, we're 71.68 cents, which is... Um, up 0.54 cents uh, against the Great British Pound. We're up um, 0.36 pence to 54.77 pence. Against the New Zealand dollar, we're up 0.6 to $1.5.93 New Zealand dollars. And against the euro, we were up uh, 0.17 euro cents to 63.57. So marginally uh, better value if you're going overseas on holidays or you want to import some stuff from uh, one of the overseas department stores. Um, and, of course, uh, the All Ordinaries Index was uh, was down four points on the week. So that was uh, 6,316. Um, the S&P 500 was up 8.8 points on the week to 2,888.21. And the UK FTSE was up 20. Points to seven thousand four hundred and twenty-one. So, so overall, there's there's no real you know changes in the market really. That's just day-to-day variations. You, you wouldn't worry too much about that. What about favourite stocks? Favourite stocks. The people in Newcastle have got very big portfolios. Have always got BHP. Um, that was up forty-seven cents a week to, to thirty-nine point eight nine. I mean, one place it was uh, getting pretty close to closing over forty dollars, but I don't think it quite got there. I think you're okay. going to see that in the next couple of weeks, though. Um, are things better in the resource industry? At the no, the coal price is recovering. Right. Um, uh, the volumes are going up. Um, the iron ore, although there is talk that the iron ore price is going to come back down, but it hasn't. So, you know, and and copper prices. So BHP is doing quite well. Um, and the CBA um, was up forty eight. Uh, sorry, was down forty eight cents on the week to seventy dollars and seventy five. Uh, NIB was up four cents on the week to five dollars forty five, and uh, Telstra was up one cent to three dollars twenty nine. Mm-hmm. And the fuel prices um, with Easter and Anzac Day coming up. Uh, have we got a prediction here? Well, your prediction it always goes up, <laughs> doesn't it? Well, the trends that in that direction at the moment. Uh, so we're up uh, almost a cent on the week to a dollar thirty seven point two. A leader, uh, Sydney was uh, down four point three cents to a dollar thirty eight point nine. So the prices are kind of getting back into alignment. Um, the diesel price was a dollar forty nine point five, which was up twenty cent point uh, two cents, and in Sydney it was a dollar forty six point nine, which is down point four. So um, the prices between Sydney and Newcastle are kind of getting back into alignment. But I suspect you're right that the prices will start to go up. Um, well, it's about a week to go, isn't it? Yeah, so it's which is it's Easter week next week. It's Easter week next, next week. week. So we won't be here. I oh, know we're here yes, this we week. Will be here but we won't be here the following week because yes, that's Anzac correct. Day. We'll yes, be out yes, so marching in the streets. Such a busy calendar. Yeah, marching <laughs> yeah. in the streets. <laughs>
time for our market update as we do every week. Take a look at some of the companies, what they're up to, and yeah, you might have shares in them or you might want to. So Crown Resorts. Is, yeah, so um, there's, there's been uh, not a lot happening, but the, some of the things that have been happening this week are, are kind of interesting for distance reasons. So Crown Resorts. So supposedly, you know, a couple of months ago that Wynn Resorts approached uh, the Crown Board to buy a Crown. Um, they were knocked back. They came back, you know, in the last week, the beginning of this week, with a higher offer. Um, the Crown Resorts Board are uh, con- considering that offer. And, and when the bidder was a, a, is, is a major US uh, casino company, so they'd like to expand in Australia. But, it, but in the meantime, they've had an application in um, to open a casino in, in, in Boston. And as a result of that, um, they have to go through some probity checks, and that's taking up a lot of time. So they've said they're going to put the takeover for Crown, the takeover for Crown Resorts on the back burner until they resolve the issues in Boston. So you would have thought, though, you know, know, these hearings would be part of running a casino business and, you know, you would have thought you knew this coming up before you started. Unless, of course, it was going to leak to the media. But anyhow, so... Was it an excuse? Well, who knows? But the bids bids off the table, um, you know, they haven't said they're not coming back, but I, I think generally once... This takeover talk in respect of accompanying something will happen down the track. Okay. So the share price went up 10, uh, 20%, then came back down 10 So it's still not down where it was. So keep an eye on Crown. Now, this is, I find this story very interesting. So, so Domino's, Domino's Pizza is paying, Domino's Pizza, the Australian business, is paying $4 million to acquire, and it was a quote, in rat infested pizza chain in. In Scandinavia. Do you think that was a selling ploy? <laughs> well, I, I thought. Oh, oh, well, I thought this was interesting. So, so then I had a look bit. Bit, yeah. Well, it's a selling ploy. So then I had a look because it looks like a bit of a bargain, four million dollars. So mm. then I had a look at it, look at it, and what they're actually acquiring is the Domino's Pizza franchise in Scandinavia. So supposedly it was, um, it was supposedly it was um, the largest pizza chain in France in. in Scandinavia, and um, and in, and uh, what happened was there's one of those investigative television shows went out the back, uh, similar to what's that one we have Four Corners and yes, yeah, similar Four Corners, and and you know put some television cameras in and found out that the food was stale and the, and the, it was rat infested allegedly, and of course all the customers walked and the pizza chain shut its doors or went into administration. Now Domino's has come along and. Bought it for four million. So I think you know if they can resurrect that, um, sounds like it, a bargain. It, it will be an absolute bargain. So there's mm. many bargains bought that you know, when people do stupid things. So so that that might be something that puts life back into Domino's share price in there. So that's not just Denmark, but it's also the whole of Scandinavia. Well, it's it's the Domino's Pizza Scandinavia is the company name. So it wasn't quite clear what mm. what 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 was involved. But but with a name like that, you'd assume it's the whole of the area. It certainly sounds like yes. it. And they don't even have to change the name on the They don't even have to change the name. <laughs> um, well, of course, usually when you've got a scan like this, you would change the name, but I don't know that yes. they might have to promote their credentials from Australia. Yes. But, you know, for me, and if it goes wrong, it's not going to be much loss, but you can see it could 
be worth multiples of that sometime down the track. Okay, so uh, you're doing well. So, uh, um, the senior next story, executives. The next story I thought was an absolute shocker. We're back to Christy uh, um, Watkins down at uh, Coca-Cola. Um, so the executives, um, they failed to meet the, the targets to be paid in bonuses. Mm-hmm. So um, so their income's going to fall uh, this year. But what I thought was absolutely shocking, what they're going to do is change the bonus plan mm-hmm. and so they can get paid bonuses even if the company's profit falls. Well, isn't that the normal <laughs> Well, it appears procedure. to be. So not only are they going to get bonuses for, for doing their job, yes. which they're already being paid, well paid for, yeah, <laughs> even if the company's earnings go backwards, they're still expecting to get a handout for bonuses. I think, I think this is another case that shareholders in Coca-Cola need to put their foot down and start voting down their, you know, the remuneration report. I mean, I, th- I thought it was disgraceful when I read that. So, you know. And it's probably a warning sign that it is actually a good idea if you have shares in you a company. To, you to need keep, to vote. And you yeah. need to look. You know, the we're, we're, first thing we look at if I'm voting is what shareholdings do the directors hold? Uh, and if you've got the board full of people who've got no shares... Um, yeah, you know, you've got to start wondering why they're there because you need to align the directors' interests with the with the shareholders. And the easiest way to do that is the directors need a reasonable interest in in, in the you know, company. And yeah, and if they're being paid a hundred thousand of directors' fees, that doesn't mean five thousand shares. Mm. So, as a director, it's not like being an employee of the company, no, is it? You're, you're managing that business, and the best way to manage the business, or the best way to ensure the directors are doing the job properly, is that their shareholders will. And you know, as why. Buffett says, uh, we eat our own cooking. So, so you know, it, what it means is that, you know, the, if the shareholders are suffering, the board needs to suffer because ultimately it's the board's decision. And to pay executives bonuses when the earnings are going backwards is just really obscene. And the shareholders need to think about that and think about voting against it at the the, the remuneration report. Okay, so the plans are to make it easier for them to get bonuses. Yeah, yeah even if the business is going we're... backwards. Yes. Yeah, okay. it's just, it's just, yeah. and it even puts the banks to shame, I would have thought. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and... Yes. So, um, Chad, we're in the middle of our uh, market update and uh, looking at some of the uh, companies with some interesting aspects. Bendigo. Yeah, Bendigo We've Bank. Got to have something Bendigo for the Bank. Banks. Bendigo Bank, which is a Paisley, one of the most ethical companies in Australia, they've got, got baited on it, have uh, decided to exit the wealth management business. Um, basically, they've said it's all too hard, um, the regulatory issues are, are too much, and so they're selling their uh, financial advice arm across to uh, IOOF. Um, so does that mean they've um, the regulation has in, increased since the last uh, oh, yeah, inquiry? Oh, I mean, yeah, regulation's getting more and more. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think what's going to happen is um, the price people the, you know, price people are paying is going to be increasing dramatically. I mean, if you want all these things done, I mean, someone's got to pay for it, and that's going to be the end of consumer. And I think the, the problem is that um, without without defending without defending the banks, you know, they tried to provide services for people who who had um, smaller amounts of money, and they just can't afford to do that anymore. So. Um, Mm. Yeah, when, when you've got to start charging statements of advice and stuff and you're talking, you know, some firms are now charging minimum $5,000 to produce those. Gosh. You, you know, the, the, the business is just going to not be there. 
Yes, yes. So, so anyhow. So um, they've offloaded their financial advice. They've advisor. offloaded that to IAAF. Mm-hmm. And I, I can see what's going to happen is there's going to be firms eventually will only deal with wholesale clients because you don't have all this regulatory issue. And then retail fees, uh, retail advice fees are going to increase dramatically. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that's going to be the outcome. Um, well, speaking about ethics. Well, um, you know, Lion, yes, uh, Lioness Corporation, which is subject to a takeover bid from West Farmers. So Lioness has these uh, uh, rare earths mining business. So the rare earths are basically mined in uh, Australia. They're shipped over to Malaysia for processing. Um, there's some issues about the waste from this processing at the Malaysian processing plant. Um, their licence for operation of this plant's come up for renewal and they're in discussions with the Malaysian government. Um, apparently the employees of Linus were actually protesting in the streets earlier this week about the Malaysian government not renewing their licence. But what West Farmers is over there trying to do a deal on behalf of Linus and they, they don't even own the company. So uh, the Linus uh, people saying it's completely unethical. So um, that, that's interesting. And, and this Linus takeover, I can see this is going to go on for a few months and there's probably going to be a few more interesting things come out of it. Okay. And something, another takeover that's, that's, that's quite straightforward, um, basically AP Eggers, which is uh, one of the largest car retailers in Australia, in Newcastle, they own the, uh, uh, the Clusters brand down there at uh, Newcastle's West, which is BMW, Ford, um, Volkswagen, I think. And Honda. Mm. Honda, yep. And we're after brands, yeah. and they're looking at taking over Automotive Holdings, which in Newcastle happens to own the re, the old Regal Motors business, which was Mazda and um, Subaru. So, Subaru, mm-hmm. there you yeah, go. Jane knows those brands. So what they're trying to do is take over Automotive Holdings. They're offering one APE a share for three point eight AHG shares. Now APE is an interesting company because basically why it's a big re- motor vehicle retailer over the years they've acquired so much property with their with their um, car yard business. They're almost a property company as well. So they've seen a downturn in motor vehicle sales which is common in the industry and I think they're seeing an opportunity to buy a, a automotive group while it's, while it's a bit cheaper. So um, we'll just see what happens there. That will affect our marketplace, won't it? Well, yeah. I mean, there's a triple C. There's a triple C issues about this. I mean, if you look at the national market, the market share is not going to be that big. But if you go through um, selected markets, if you look at Newcastle, for example, they'll they'll own the the the, the cluster group down there and the Regal Motors group out at. Um, they're at Wickham now, aren't they, with the Subaru and the Mazda? Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure who owns the Toyota Group retailer in Newcastle. Yeah, so in some markets, their market share of the car market is probably going to push up towards 50 and 60%. So the ACCC is going to have a look at this. Okay, with special reference to Newcastle. Oh, no, the ACCC is talking, it's looking at it on a market-by-market basis, which I assume Newcastle well, the Hunter Valley in Newcastle probably constitutes a market as distinct from looking at Australia as a whole. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. That's, that's and you'll get a different sensible. answer. You will mm. get a different answer. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And Stephen Pritchard, we are going to be talking about uh, bonds. Um, uh, bonds and interest rates generally with and Richard. And we do have Richard Murphy, who's CEO of the Australian Bond Company, and uh, he joins us today. Hi, Richard. Hi, Stephen. Um so interest rates. So the RBA had a had a meeting the other week. Um, so what 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 was what would the RBA decide? Is there any comments we need to be mindful of that came out of that? Um, I think the thing to be mindful of is 
I mean, this is now an extraordinarily long time for interest rates to be sitting for the cash rate, the overnight rate to be sitting at 1.5%. Mm-hmm. I saw a sort of 30-year chart of this recently, and you can see it moving up and down, you know, over the yep. last you know, number of years. And then there's this bizarre straight line that looks like the charting tool is broken. It's just been sitting at 1.5%. And what they're, what they're actually saying is, they're going, for, the, for the last year and a half, they've been saying, most likely the next move is up, probably the next move is up. And then with last year's um, gyrations in global markets in nearly everything where there was a terrible December and mm-hmm. fears about a recession arising, they're now saying, oh, hang on, things are changing and we have to change our view as things change. And we're going to be keeping a really good eye out on jobs and unemployment. And we're going to be keeping an eye on the, the property market um, falls. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if you call it a collapse yet, but it's certainly um, very significant falls in property. And now they're saying, well, we're now back to even Stevens, whether the next move is up or down. The market, however, has gone and interpreted that or looked at the warning signs of global interest rates and what's happening in the U.S. economy slowing down, what's happening in China. And the fixed income market or the bond market and the rates market, as people can trade these expectations, mm-hmm. they're now saying, oh, no, there's definitely um, a cut coming or mm-hmm. more than one, potentially. So if you looked at there's a there's a... a a trading on the ASX in a futures contract, the technical details you wouldn't need to understand. You just need to look at the chart. And for a year and a half, it was all sloping up, indicating in the future, interest rates are going to be higher. And within about a week and a half, 10 days, it went from that, interest rates are going to be higher. Suddenly, it looks like a cliff now, and it just fell off a cliff. And it's now saying that by September or October, we will definitely have had a rate cut. And of course, that could come, that could come earlier, probably after the election, you'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's just generally speaking, expectations are for one and a half to become 1.25. And maybe even there's commentators out there saying, well, if they're going to do one cut, they might do a second cut. And these are all, these are all um, concerns about a recession. And in the U.S., the, for the first time since before the GFC, in about 2007, the U.S. yield curve, i.e. the curve that shows you, you know, rates of uh, interest rates all the way out to 10, 20, 30 years, it was inverted, meaning the short-term rates were higher than the long-term rates. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So you're going to charge me 1% for borrowing overnight, but only half a percent for borrowing mm-hmm. for 10 years doesn't make sense in, 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 in logical sense. When it does happen, it means, uh-oh, the market thinks there's going to be a recession um, in the next 12 months, two years. And so those, those are the sort of fears that um, the yield curve here isn't inverted yet, but there's certain things that are. You can you can borrow, you know, the overnight rate is, is 1.5%, but banks have been borrowing from each other at less than that for for um, 90 days and three years. And the three-year government bond is below that. So that's kind of what that means. Does that mean we are going to have the recession that we've managed to avoid for you know, donkey's years yeah. here in Australia. Actually, hopefully not. Yeah, yeah. yeah, hopefully not. But that, that, they're, the, they're the signs right now in the market. Kind of the lights are flashing amber, certainly, and some people's lights are flashing red. So, so Bill Evans is one of the commentators. He's come, which is the, who is the chief economist at uh, Westpac, who seems to be in forever, um, has come out and said that he's expecting two rate cuts by the end of the year. So, I mean, the market's yeah. kind of saying that as well. Um, yeah, he's very, very, he's very well respected. And uh, he was saying six months ago, he was saying, no, no, next move is up. And now he's saying, okay, yeah. I'm now changing. Yeah. 
And Richard Murphy is with us, and we're talking about bonds and wow, and interest rates. Rates, yeah. So, so, so all of this. What's happening with um, people? What are they doing with their term deposit monies? Because the average retail investor thinks that um, you know they, they want to lock their money away in a term deposit to get a high return. So, so what's happening yeah, right, there? Right now, they're right now they're staying in term deposits, and that number, the household deposit number, is up to nine hundred and thirty-two billion um, off. You know, Australian household money sitting in bank accounts with a big chunk of which is term deposits. And they're probably doing that because there's a massive amount of fear out there. We speak to an awful lot of financial planners and stockbrokers, and they are afraid to go any which way. So I was talking to the people that run the gold ETF, and you might think that the gold ETF would be getting people investing in it. No, yep. people are selling gold. Um, equity ETF people are saying, no, no, we're not getting an awful lot of that. Um, Business um, people aren't buying mm-hmm. right now. People aren't buying bonds a lot, so that that's really indicative of um, certainly our XTVs. They're not buying a lot of because there's just this concern, and they, maybe the election is part of it. Where oh, I don't know what's going to happen after, mm-hmm. uh, after the election, and maybe it'll be a short-term type of issue. But there's also the, just the fear of well, what if we do actually get, if, if a U.S. recession comes about in the next eighteen months and we get one inevitably. And maybe something in China pushes that along, and commodity prices fall, et cetera, et cetera. And we're just going to get the recession we haven't had for ages. And therefore, they're worried about equities, and they're worried about bonds, and they're worried about property, and they're worried about gold. It's sort of everything. Um, everything they're worried about. Therefore, you stay in cash. Mm-hmm. Is you know some people I've spoken to that they're just increasingly doing that because they don't know where, which way to go. Now, yeah. eventually, that all kind of resolves itself, and and. Uh, and that you know, there's a change in sentiment on on one or all of those different things you can invest in. But right now, I'd say an awful lot of people you know in the market might say, "Yeah, actually, I'm feeling an awful lot of uncertainty as a result of things that are going on in this first four months." Of, of, yeah. Uh, so months. people, I think, you know, our experience is that similar to what you're saying, but is they they want a better rate from the cash rates and they want something safe, so they so they put it into term deposits. And, and generally they're only reasonably short term though, you know, six months, twelve months would pull them up. Very few people want to go above twelve months. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or nearly all nearly all money's in less and I, I looked up at major banks and they obviously announce it every time they do their annual reports how much they have. And there's virtually nothing in two year, three year, yeah. five year yeah, term yeah, deposits. Yeah. It's all three months, six months and, yeah. and sometimes months. a year, yeah. Yeah, and of course, what's happening? And is this is this kind of flying through the bond market? Are the, are the yields falling there? Or is... Yes, absolutely. The, the yields in the bond markets so of government bond yields in the U.S. Starting in the U.S., the ten-year the government bond, which is really um, nearly every every professional player's marker for how is the world going, and it was at three point three percent at one point late mm-hmm. last year, say October November, and it's it fallen to those two point three percent. Um, you know, fallen by that one whole percentage point, which is absolutely massive. It's a big fall, yeah. It's a massive fall. And then our government bonds are at nearly all-time lows as well, or close to all-time lows, and therefore corporate bonds are the same because they're all connected to each other. Term deposits haven't fallen yet because of a bank dropped its term deposit now after the Royal Commission um, and, and ahead of the election. It is going to get absolutely mm-hmm. destroyed in Canberra because the RBA hasn't cut rates yet. Yeah. So the bond market is reacting because it expects the RBA to cut, and it's pretty sure it will, whereas the current deposit um, market won't react until, um, mm-hmm. I feel, won't react until the the RBA does actually cut the interest rate. And then, of course, they'll drop their mortgage rate. You hope they pass it on, but they also drop their current deposit rate. 
to maintain their overall margin. Yeah, and one of the ways that we've found is that people like to invest in the in the bond market is they like the floating rate, they like the floating rate notes. So, you know, yep. if rate, yep. if rates go up, the kind of they get the benefit. But of course, if rates go down, they'll also you know, the floating rate notes will come down as well. So, yeah, and it's a bet each way. You're yeah. you're absolutely right. It kind of takes that worry off the table to say I'm going to go for the floaters because a it's a bank issuing it and it's relatively safe. Um, because it's a senior bank, you know, a major bank issuing it. So the risk is pretty low. And if rates go up, well, my coupon will go up. And if rates go down, mm-hmm. uh, my coupon goes down. But overall, my capital is, is generally speaking, preserved. So, yeah, that, that, that is we're, we're seeing, or I'm expecting to see more pick up in people saying, actually, I won't go for fixed rate bonds. I'm going to go for the floating rate yes. um, bonds. Yeah. And so, just just turning on the election, um, ha- have you given any thought to, or what's your thoughts on, you know, a lot of these hybrid securities that people are buying to get the yield because of the inc- the, the cash refunds on the franking credits? Um, how do you think the hybrids are going to react if they they can no longer get this cash refund? Um, I think I think the hybrid market did, in fact, again, the markets usually predict what's going to happen mm-hmm. and price it in early. The hybrid market did um, react to the. The um, probability of a of a Labour win, if you believe the bookies and the, and the polls, um, and has, has sort of priced that in. That, and, and yes, it makes hybrids less attractive on a relative basis um, than they were when people were getting those, those uh, cash rebates. Yeah. Um, but but still, I mean, I mean, my 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 warning to everybody is just remember that you're not buying. A bond that's definitely going to. It oh, is they're a higher risk. Yeah, they're, high they're, risk they are yeah. higher risk. You're getting that higher yield because that risk is there, and it's not just the risk of the bank falling over. It's also the risk that APRA might say, "You know what? Um, Eastern States property is falling too much. I don't want you to call that hybrid yep. in 2020. I want you to kick it out to 2024, and that means the price would dramatically adjust, mm-hmm. and that is a risk. That's a, that's you know the banks can't stop APRA forming that view. That, that's right. That's the government's job. Yeah, so, so, so the hybrids, I mean, if you've got what's available to the retail investor and you've got the equity capital on the bottom, which is the, the most risk, you've got the hybrids, which is the next level of risk, and then you've got the the um, the uh, floating rate nodes, um, which, are, which are, you know, the next level of risk above that, and then you've got the term deposits. So, so yep. going from the bottom up, as you'd expect, you, you know, you're going to theoretically get the highest return on the the equity and the lowest return on the term deposits and the, the cash at call. Exactly. And, you know, and the risk goes the other way. Yeah, so, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so, so exactly. if, you, yeah. if you want to, in, want to increase return from the, from the same institution, you need to look at, you know, what options they've got available for retail. And you can, you can actually see the increase in risk is reflected in increased rates you're getting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, thanks for that, Richard. We'll probably talk to you again in a few months or six weeks or yeah, something. Yeah, see where we are then. See where we are and the election will be over and it'll be more clear what's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah, thanks, Richard. Interesting to Bye. us. Thank you, Richard Murphy, who is from the Australian Bond Company and uh, he's CEO there. Um, Stephen Pritchard, just in the last couple of minutes, we're not going to talk about elections, are we? <laughs> No. <laughs> but it's all fairly tied up. The economy seems to be one of the platforms. Ah, well, the economy is, I mean, one of, one of the things you need to think about, though, one of the things that a lot of people I don't think appreciate is the proposed changes in franking credits 
is going to affect over a million investors. So you need to think about what effect's going to happen to you if you can't get your franking credits back. And those people who are basically earning um, have a, a marginal tax rate of less than 30% or have a self-managed superannuation fund. They're going to be the big people affected by the proposed franking credit changes because they're not going to be refundable. Have a think about that. Do some maths and work out how much you're going to be out of pocket because I don't think a lot of people appreciate that. And that's going. there's going to be more on that as time goes on. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.